Previously on Spies Like Us. Welcome back to Spies Like Us. This is part two of our sneakers episode. And if you're not already familiar with the film, you might want to go back and give part one a listen. While you're at it, you might want to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app so that you can always stay caught up with us. That said, if you do just want to jump in right here with us, that's fine. I'll give you a quick recap just in case. Uh, Our main character, Martin, played by Robert Redford, stole a black box and then realized that he accidentally gave it over to some very bad people. Uh, Now they think they probably need to steal the box back for their own safety. Uh, Who are those bad people? And who else is on the chessboard here in this uh, cat and mouse spy game? Let's dig into it on this follow-up episode of Spies Like Us. Let's talk us some um, Mary McDonald, buddy. Well, I mean, she was President Rosalind and Mama Darko. So I, uh, I dug the fuck out of her in BSG. Uh, wasn't that big a fan of Donnie Darko. <gasps> Blasphemy. <laughs> what does she get to do in this movie? Uh, actually, they actually don't get to use her for a whole lot. Uh, I, I think... You wanted to run uh, the test on her for this one, uh, for for sneakers, because uh, they they have this really talented actress, and the character herself is very well educated, very charismatic, very, I guess, I guess collected, and she's the mature one in the entire cast, I guess. So uh, they only use her to kind of seduce a guy. She's she's just kind of around. The first thing that she's used for is. Uh, there's so you know the team's got to get the black box and they they have to go to this like a uh, scientist lecture who's an expert on large numbers and algorithms who's apparently cracked on breakable codes or something and um martin doesn't know any of this stuff i mean like we discussed before he's he's not like this super bright guy he's just a very charismatic thinks fast on his feet type of guy and he basically goes to his lecture and he brings her along and she's the educated one. So she's the only one that really figures out that the scientists figured out how to break uh, unbreakable codes. And, and I just love how much Martin is so bored by the presentation. And then she tells him that it's about breaking unbreakable codes. And then all of a sudden he's like fascinated, you know, just wakes up. And I think that was like one of your favorite scenes or shots in the movie. It is, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's very cute. Yeah, and then later she's used to seduce Ned, who's uh, the asset that they targeted to get into the villain's uh, office because that guy had an office next door. So they kind of used her as just like kind of a pretty face to giggle and laugh and record him while he's talking. Um, yeah, because they needed to. The, to get into the building, they needed a, a, a security card to swipe, and they needed to have his voice speak a specific password. And so they got her to record him saying each word in that phrase. And so that was the entire date. But she played it very well. I mean, for someone... Let me, let me ask, let, I, I want to ask you this, though. Right. Uh, you, you just used the term asset, and uh, you know the spy terminology better than I do. Does oh. this actually qualify here since they don't actually, like, uh, you know, uh, change his motivations or anything? But uh, would you use the word asset? Oh, of course. Assets don't need to be aware of what's okay. going on. 
they, they're just someone that has access to information or access to a particular area that you need or something like you could just be like for example let's say they didn't need to get in the building and they used liz to get information like if there was like a keypad door or something or uh i i don't know like if they were going on a to a big convention and what they were working on she could like kind of like you know butter him up and make him feel good about himself and he might let it slip out that they're working on this big code breaking scheme or who knows right you know what i mean he doesn't need to know so we we would call that an unwitting asset right yeah the yeah and and you're i guess the terminology would be elicitation of information where your target um uh or asset is unaware of what's going on yeah now i mean there is a very specific term that uh is used in in tradecraft parlance that uh we need to apply to her right here which is i mean she's a honey trap right yeah yeah you could definitely call her a honey trap yeah uh and and she definitely plays the the humming really really well uh, which is basically what she gets to do as far as tradecraft is is kind of like pr- procure uh, items and information from uh, this target. Which she's, I mean, she's very smooth at, and, and I like that about her. Um... She was very smooth, you know, had the smile, giggled at the right times. Knew how to like, you know, feed his ego a little bit, despite him being super, super awkward from the get go, you know. And then at, at the apartment, when he basically asked her to come back, you know, uh, you know, for a little nightcap, uh, so to speak, um, she's able to grab his wallet and and pass it out the window to mother, who mother can then get the key, and then he returns the wallet. She takes the wallet back and puts it back, so. She's able to pull off this really cool uh, sleight of hand, so to speak, you know, while he's not paying attention, you know, and for someone, her character is not really that trained from what we understand. Which, which I'm fine with as an audience member. I'm just a little iffy on, you know, the realism on that one. Yeah. I will say though, that she does have my number three worst tradecraft. And I don't know if this is so much her, uh, but she leaves her purse when she goes to make a phone call. She's pretending to be somebody else with a complete stranger that's obviously super creeper. And uh, she's going to leave her purse alone with the guy. So I, I'm going to put that down. So, But I don't think it's her character so much as uh, they needed to write it into the story. I think I think you should pin that on Crease. He's supposed to be the warrior. He's supposed to be the one with the most experience. He's supposed to be the CIA guy that knows that when you put one of your assets, you can you can call friendly people assets, right? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. Sure. When you put one of your assets in play, like in this kind of situation, I think the one of I I think it's like probably maybe in the first week of CIA one oh one training is like if you're pretending to be someone else first thing, don't carry your own identification on you. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> that's that's definitely a good point. Obviously, like if we went Bechdel test on like all of our movies, we could. I mean, we'd be here for days. There's a reason I want to talk about this one. We did 
a James Bond movie and the Arman Flint movie very recently, which obviously are just like horrifying examples of, right. uh, yeah, of, of putting the female characters like off to the side. But this is like, you know, this is 30 years later and like seems like a very like bright, snappy script where I feel like, like we probably should have expected more out of this one. I mean, McDonald shines. That's cool. But she's literally like the only female character in a sea, like a literal sea of male characters. Yeah. Yeah, there's what was there's only like two other girls in the whole movie? I think well, I mean there's like a a there's two girls in the bank that each have like like two lines and then at the end of the movie Oh yeah, there's uh, the the NSA woman. That's right. <laughs> which clearly, clearly only showed up in like the only reason that they made her a female was so that they would have an opportunity for her to give her phone number to a guy. Yeah, that was her entire purpose in the whole film. I swear, I swear, if that part hadn't been necessary, they they never would have thought about like putting a female on that team. And it wasn't like there were other women on that team. It was literally the only woman on that team. So it's not like uh, what Carl picked her out of like any, like whatever. It was just like, oh, a lady. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I think we gave uh, McConnell her due and her character Liz uh, her due for this movie. We got to get on to these villains, buddy. Oh, yeah. The villain. The villain. The villain. Tell me about him. Well, uh, you all know him very well as Gandhi, but uh, in this movie he plays the villain. Ben Kingsley plays Cosmo, this kind of uh, megalomaniac tech uh, guru type. This would have been pre... Well, I guess Steve Jobs and Bill Gates existed, but they weren't like the the mega people they were like most recently. But... Uh, yeah, um, th- this this was a really interesting character, and uh, Todd and I wanted to really give him a lot of special attention because him Bishop and his relationship is really really powerful, and it's probably the most big meat of the film. When we first meet him, it's when Martin Bishop gets uh, pretty much kidnapped, and at this point, we had all been told the audience had been told that he was died in prison. Oh, and Cosmo, uh, sorry turned out to be the best friend from the beginning of the movie. Uh, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the, the one that got arrested that Martin Bishop felt super guilty so he's about. Got a, he's got an axe to grind, possibly. Right. You know, a uh, little bit of bitterness, but, you know, he's not doing so bad for himself because apparently he needed this box because he works for the mob, which is how he got out of prison. They found out that he knew some phone freaking skills. And... uh he became their database manager or something, which is why they needed the box because they didn't want the government watching in on their stuff. So they stole it specifically not to use it, but to protect themselves from, you know. But, right. So uh, yeah. So but he's he's created um he's created a safe uh niche in in the ecosystem of organized crime. It sounds like uh-huh. as basically like their their database manager, IT guy, encryption guy. Right. Right. But he's also still got his like 
revolutionary tendencies, which he only specifically, like, doesn't want to talk to Martin about while people might be listening, you know, and takes him into a safe room. Like, after after explaining, like, basically, like, what's happened to him, but he's got more to tell, but he, he, he really wants to make sure that this is something that, that uh, you know, his uh, supposed, like, supervisors or bosses can't be snooping on him. Uh, right, and, and the, the, I actually really want to talk about this whole scene uh, step by step, because uh, each step that uh, Cosmo tries to flip Bishop um, is is actually really really well thought out. Uh, so he first starts out by talking about the crime organization and why they needed the black box, and he doesn't really say it straight up. But this kind of implies a monetary reward that he's climbed the ranks and he's like a powerful guy, and so maybe he can seduce Martin into coming in and working with them or helping them out. To which Martin immediately says, "I don't buy it" because he knows his friend really well, and without without. Without skipping a beat, Cosmo goes, oh, it's great to see you again. And he then points up at a lamp as if they're listening, shushes them, and they walk into a room that's supposedly secure. And then, like, crafts this whole speech about, remember our idea in college? We're going to beat the system. We're going to shut down big money. You know, we're going to beat banks, currencies, commodities, you know, nothing. No more rich, no more poor. Everyone is equal. You know, here's the ideology. You know what I mean? To which Martin responds, oh, you're just crazy. So then what Cosmo does is go over to the computer with the box, hooks up to the FBI database, and looks up Martin Bryce, who's Bishop's real name, who's the one that's been on the run. And he goes and he puts in under aliases for Martin Bryce, Martin Bishop. And then proceeds to say, guess what? That gun that killed the Russian has your prints all over it, and they're going to tie that to the murder of the scientist, the mathematician that was murdered, you know? So uh, the reason why I want to bring these steps up is he systematically used a very specific system that actually is used in flipping people. He used monetary value. He then used, like, ideology with this grand romantic story, and then he used, like, leverage, like like coercive leverage, even though he wasn't really flipping him. he, he, He didn't really, like use it as bait because he committed putting his name in, but it was like kind of like a show of force. But I, I just really got excited about the order in which all of these came in. I like that, but I, 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 I do. I mean, I do see what oh, you're which, saying. By the way, sorry, which my, yeah, yeah. sorry, because this is my number three best trade craft. Oh, so, right. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks yeah. for saying that. So we make sure we get the ding yeah. <laughs> opportunity. But uh, yeah, I, I feel you, and I, I like I like that order of operations. I, you know, I'm watching it several times. I I, I feel like it's handled actually a little bit sloppy. Um, you know, I I'm still not a hundred percent sure. Like, what his primary motivation was was whether to recruit Martin or to throw Martin under the bus. It does look like he had, like, I mean, clearly, like, uh, plan A, recruit Martin, is, like, on the top of his list. But he switches to plan B so fast. Right. And I think I, I, think I should give him, like, some minus spy points for, you know, if, if, if recruiting Martin was the primary goal, even though, like, I'll give him plus spy points for having two goals. 
you know, and it could go either way. And either way, he seems to be happy with the mm-hmm. outcome. Um, I think he didn't invest enough in, in plan A. There's just the one little moment where uh, Robert Redford says, like, you are crazy. And you do see Kingsley's lip twist a, a little. A little twitch, yeah. Yeah, a little yeah. twitch. But, uh, you know, it just, I, maybe it's just, I don't know, minus mad scientist villain points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he, I mean, he gets a lot of pro, like, uh, mad scientist villain points for uh, having sharks. You got to have sharks. Yeah, but I mean, it might have been a demonstration of actual strength in the hopes that Martin will join him. Because, I mean, we have this big hole that we end up discussing. I don't know if we want to talk about this now, but when, when, when Cosmo just lets him go and doesn't really do anything, you know, uh, it, that might be what he was waiting for, was to have Bishop come back crying and begging for help after the FBI chases him. I, I don't know. Well... Here's here's what I think is the problem with that too is like uh, having these uh, two goals um, that he has, which is um, okay. We know that he wants the black box, right? Right. Uh, he wants the black box for two reasons: a superficial one and a deeper one. Uh, on the superficial level, he wants the black box to protect his uh, mob contacts that he has made. Right. On a deeper level, he wants to do a, a whole fight club thing. Like, we're going to destroy all the banking records, right. all records of ownership. And, like, it's going to be, like, the hugest revolution ever. And, like, you know, everyone's going to be equal. Yeah. You know, this very, very high-level egalitarian uh, leftist terrorist psycho thing. Yeah, I guess here's here's my problem. Like he know he knows about the box. We know he wants the box. We know that he would like to have revenge against Martin. And by the way, he could have arranged his revenge against Martin without showing his face. Right. Uh, you know, he could have done it from a distance. He's obviously figured out like who and where Martin is. Otherwise, he wouldn't been able to to drag Martin into the whole situation in the first place. Right. So. I get some, and this is, I, I don't know, uh, you can call it pedantic, but uh, this is what we like to do, uh, spies like us, is, is like get deep into this. Here's my minus logic points for the film. Either he found out about the box first, or he found Martin first. Either way, it doesn't make sense for him to sit on either of those pieces of information if he had found out about the box first and not known where Martin was, he would have gone for the box. If he had found out where Martin was but not known about the box, he would have just gone for his revenge. It's way coincidental that he finds out about the box and finds about out uh, where Martin is in roughly the same time period. Yeah. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No. There's also like a, a big uh, fuck up. That he, that he makes after he, he makes Well, design. yeah, I mean, he doesn't have... Well, I mean, it's not even after. The, the whole story of the film, they do not follow him whatsoever. Like, 
They didn't follow him before the fact. They didn't follow him after the fact. They didn't follow him after they dropped him off. Nobody is watching him. And if they were, they would have seen him go to the lecture with Liz. They would have then like started watching Liz, found out where her apartment was, so that when they dropped him off in the middle of nowhere, he wouldn't be able to hide at Liz's apartment. Because they would have known where Liz's apartment is. 100% correct. And it's just kind of, and and they had a warehouse office for the team that they had to desert because he's like, oh, this place isn't safe. We got to leave. You know where we should go? My ex-girlfriend's apartment, you know, that I just started hanging out with when all this stuff went down. Like no one is watching this guy. And then they drop him off and they're still not watching him. So he gets to regroup with his team and plan this like elaborate heist. Which probably takes him like two weeks to plan at least. Yeah, and then to execute, you're talking what another like 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 this isn't something that happened overnight, right? Dude, Rick Sanchez would be it, 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 like irate right now over how ridiculous this heist is. How how like nobody's watching this guy, and and, and then like everything just yeah, it, yeah. Right, just... you threw out you threw out your master revenge plan, and then you just like forgot about him, and like just I don't know what like assumed. That he made his way back to Canada. He'd done it before. You could have fixed this, even though, like, there there aren't, you know, this film doesn't. So it would have been a, um, I don't know, a break in uh, some kind of continuity to have a scene with the villains by themselves. Like right. we don't we don't ever get any um, scenes like that, right? Right. Yeah, we never get to see what they're doing. But, like, an easy fix would have been, like, I don't know, one of the goons reporting back to uh, Cosmo. That's the thing. And saying, he has like, these ex-NSA goons, which, we'll, I mean, we'll talk about in a minute. But, like, and he doesn't have them, like, run surveillance on him? Yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, like I, like I was saying, like, you know, it would have been a little uh, continuity break with the perspective of perspective of the film. But, you know, like a very short, you know, five seconds of uh, them reporting back to Cosmo and saying, like, yeah, he's disappeared. No idea where he went. And Cosmo could say, well, he disappeared once again. I guess he's done it. You know, he he disappeared once before. I guess he's done it again. And that would have, like, given us, like, an, an indication of, like, why Cosmo, like, totally takes his eye off the ball. Right. But yeah. like like we're saying, instead, yeah. instead, <laughs> he lets his nemesis loose, yeah. and then just totally forgets about him. Like a Bond film, he's just like, ah, oh, the FBI will take care of him. Let me go pet my cat or my sharks. I'll go pet my sharks. And that is uh, officially your. Oh, that's my number one worst tradecraft by far. Is just not having anybody follow Martin, and I think, yeah. Yeah, it's my number three worst because I got some humdingers coming up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's talk about the goons. Let's All right. talk. Let's talk about them. I love these guys. Yeah, these guys are great. Uh, you know, they they uh, they they pose themselves as NSA. Well, let's make sure because because we're using a nickname for them. You know, we're calling them the goons, but uh, we're talking about who. We're talking about these uh, two, which we find out later, NX, NSA agents, which uh, they, they've been faking this whole time, that are working for Cosmo. Uh, and, and they're very, very experienced. 
you know, they really seem to have their patter down, their good cop, bad cop thing going on. Like, uh, the one, like, you know, just the one brutal guy that just seems like he really just loved nothing more than to smash Robert Redford's pretty face in. <laughs> which he gets to do, like, three times in the movie. Yeah, I know, with, right? With, without, of course, ever giving, you know, like, we, we never see a bruise. Yeah. <laughs> Ever. On that pretty face. Yeah. <laughs> Not in this film. Not yeah. in my contract. Yeah. But, you know, uh, they they really go to town on Martin uh, at the beginning. They're the ones that basically coerce Martin into going after the black box. And um, they actually have this whole elaborate way of flipping Martin, or I, or I guess, you know, gaining Martin to basically do their bidding. Um, the the way they start out is they show up and they're dressed really nice. So Martin's all excited because they have nice shoes. He's like, ah, big client, right? And they start out by going over the team uh, and talking about all their old legal troubles and past, you know, like, oh, uh, you know, Whistler has all these crime, you know, phone crimes and, you know, uh, mother, you know, got arrested for this and, Crease is ex-CIA and he was forcibly had to leave, but no reason listed why. And Martin Bishop, funny thing is, he's got no record. Hmm. Uh, you know, so they, they very are right off the bat just start uh, really, really uh, demeaning the team about like, wow, you guys are a bunch of crooks, you know, and, like, and should we even trust you? What's important about this? What's what's important about this subtlety of the way that they do this? It uh, makes well, it it makes oh. it it makes it look like, you know, it it makes it look like like Robert Redford's team is not their first choice. It it's right. you know like like if they came in and said like, oh, you guys are the best, right? You know, and we want to hire you. That that might uh, have. I, I, you know, I don't know how how alert they expect Robert Redford's character to be, but you know everything that you just said. What I love about it is they start out with a um, like an undersale. Like yeah. you guys, you guys kind of suck. <laughs> yeah, which which also works to their advantage later when we find more about what they're looking for, because now they can threaten not only Bishop's past but they can threaten the team's past. So I I think this worked out like was a huge, like ticking time bomb as well as a great lead. Cause, cause later when they actually like have to like, you know, they let, uh, you know, like you always want the Mark to feel like he is, uh, clever than you. Right. 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 So that's what they did. I think is they set him up to, um, think that he had figured them out and then they were like kind of like oh yeah you kind of got us the reason we need your bullshit team is because we need to do something tiny bit illegal right which but would have totally had, explain their whole case yeah but if they had led with that card if that was their first card then this wouldn't be your number two best trick craft no, no, they they actually play their cards out perfectly and demonstrate how well experienced these two guys are. They they start demeaning the team. 
and like you said, really leads in like, hey, you know, we could go somewhere else. Then uh, Bishop figures out that they're government, but then they show them he sh- they show him one of their aces, which is basically the fact that they know that Martin Bishop is Martin Bryce. So that forces him to call them, you know, say, okay, well, now I have to see what they have to say. I can't just turn these guys away. And when he shows up, they start playing more cards. Look, we we can't do this because we can't spy on Americans because we're not the FBI. And the CIA can't do it because CIA can't spy on Americans. And we're NSA. We just, like, use, like, signals and stuff and, you know, like, and it's kind of illegal, so it's not something we can actually ask the FBI. So right. we really and, need and your we, help here. We, we could we could do it, but you need congressional approval for that, and we don't have time for that. Right. This, this is, which, this which is again, national feeds, security. Just yeah. totally feeds into their story. It's great, and it makes sense because out of our entire, like, cast of characters that we have out here, uh, never mind increase for a moment that's on our team. These are the only two guys that like, you know, are, are literally meant to be trained and specced in this kind of stuff. Right. And they pull it off. Like yeah. they, they do, they do their job well. And, you know, you know, good job Cosmo for hiring these guys. Right. It's like another day of work with them, you know? And, and that's, that's, that's why I made my number two definitely because it just, it was so well executed. I'll give them just one minus five points thing. Just one mistake I think they made. I think it was dumb of them. And it, actually, I don't know if it was them specifically. Because we also know that, you know, we have the uh, black guy that shows oh, that, up in the tunnel. The FBI. Yeah, the FBI agent. Right. So, like, he's he's another goon. We only ever see him in that one scene. But that also suggests that there's other dudes Mm-hmm. you know, that are doing the same thing as our two favorite goons. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know, like, but somebody gets uh, some minus five points for uh, killing the mathematician before they confirmed possession of the box. Yeah, that was definitely like, a bad move. I mean, and, and, and again, let's go back to, like, if they knew, if they'd been following martin's team closely enough to know that he had possession of the box again they absolutely would have known about liz they absolutely would have known about you know just follow up on the rest of the team like you know know, mother crease uh, you know crease like you know oh look just take surveillance you know he's a family man right he's married he's the only one with a wife like just check out his house Oh look, uh, he's leaving the house, and his uh, wife doesn't seem happy about it. Where's right, he going? Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh look, he's going over to this apartment that uh, you know we last saw Martin with. Anyways, enough about that. Yeah, but we do got to give him some plus buy points, uh, especially uh, our our gripe about disappearing buildings. Right, because we <laughs> did not like the disappearing building in our man Flint. No. But here's how here's how you do it right. David, tell us how you do it right. What you do is you look up buildings that are supposed to be demolished in a short period of time. You then rent out an office in that building and then never show up again and the building's demolished. Kaputs, it's gone. There's no more building. You don't spend a bajillion dollars to have a building that like floats down in an elevator for no reason. No. 
No, what you do is you set up a meeting with a guy and then disappear along with the building because it's getting demolished in like two weeks. And I mean, like, uh, you know, uh, you know, not to suck these guys' dicks too hard. <laughs> my, first, my, first, my first instinct was possibly to give minus five points to Martin for getting taken in. But honestly, when you look through it, the way they played it, you can't give him minus five points. It has to be plus five points for these guys. These guys are pros. Absolutely. Absolutely. They, 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 they definitely show off a lot of their skill. It, it was really fantastic. But there's a, there's a lot of other guys we got to talk about here. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, we, 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 mentioned, we mentioned a Russian uh, diplomat, quote-unquote, uh, who um, finds Martin at the mathematician's lecture, and they, they clearly know each other. Um, we haven't really figured out how they know each other, but he obviously used to be KGB or is still KGB, but he's operating under some cultures, something because the times have changed. The Cold War is over. Well, here's I mean, here I think is an interesting time to jump back to Martin real quick. Uh, our main character that we never like we have no idea who this Martin Bryce bishop person is or how he acquired his skills or his i don't know understanding of how this whole like espionage uh you know uh surveillance shit works yeah i don't i don't know this is kind of weird but considering that uh gregory knew liz he's super excited to see her i'm wondering and, and we know that Martin is like super anti-Republican and considering the time of the movie was probably somewhere in the late eighties, maybe contemporary of the early nineties. He probably was uh, part of some movement and probably worked with the KGB in some way or form. I mean, that that's about the best way I could piece it. And that's why Liz and him knew Gregory's because they were like probably activists and like we're, we're commies of some sort. I, like, I don't know that, that's that's the best I can get, um, you know, because we don't get a whole lot of information about their relationship or their past. Yeah, same here. It's it's kind of a blank spot. But this yeah. is the diplomat that we find uh, asking Martin in the car if he wants asylum, and I pointed out is one of my worst tradecraft decisions for Bishop because uh, he knew this guy but didn't know the FBI. Uh, and so he, he literally, the car was considered foreign soil. So, you know, this guy wasn't like a lightweight. Um, yeah. I'm actually not sure why he was in the movie. Oh, I guess just for the moment where they could shoot him. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Poor guy. I liked him. He was fun. <laughs> yeah. uh, you don't see James Earl Jones as... Have you? Can you think of another comedic role that he's ever shown up in? He shows up at the very end, of course. I've never seen him do comedy. I've seen him in comedies, but he's always playing like the super serious guy. He like, handles he handles the straight man role pretty fucking well in this one at the at the very end. Yeah, but he still does a little bit of comedy. He's not even, you know, like like he was in uh, Soul Man, and he was in like a Field of Dreams. Uh, you know, coming, coming to America, which I haven't seen. Coming to America. I, I, th I think you told me he's an absolute straight man in that one, though. Oh yeah, he plays the king, and he's very dismissive of everyone. 
and he, like he's just always serious but like this he actually like plays like a little bit animate you know he's not just like deadpan like i'm james Earl jones like you know it's it's like you know i always think of the raven or like mufasa or like darth vader you know but having him in this role he got to like be a little bit more animated they 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 let him like uh kind of uh like let the the people kind of get under his skin and let him yeah. show like yeah. some, some annoyance and and yeah. some uh you know let's let's get this over with let's get yeah. this over with i really don't want to be here i don't want to be dealing with this i just want my box and i want out yeah <laughs> um but you know this tells us the nsa definitely knew about the box and i think we right. were told the mathematician was government funded you know so it's kind of minus spy points they haven't had people babysitting martin's team gregory cosmos guys you know, clearly everybody wants this box like where in the world is the black box right you know so you should have had some sort of surveillance right yeah so uh i'm we're doing a bit of deduction here to to notice that the mathematician was a government researcher that's how his death was reported on the news and apparently like jones's number one objective is just to make sure that nobody knows about the black box and those two things together strongly suggest even though it's not explicitly stated that they were the ones that were funding the black box right and that also fits in with like martin's observation that uh this this only would have been used useful against domestic code breaking not foreign right because gregory's the one that says oh your codes are very strange they're very different than ours we 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 don't want it we just want it so we could spy on you you know so that tells us that it was specifically designed to spy on americans and the scientist himself you know if he's working on if if the nsa is funding this government cryptography project not only should they've been watching him but he should have been under some kind of like classification or gag order or like right. whatchamacallit right, that would right. not that would not involve him giving public lectures on you know how he's getting close to figuring out how to break every code in the fucking universe right exactly right yeah that's my number two worst right there is yeah, the nsa i i i you know if you go back, I think the NSA had to have known about the box. I think it was their box, and uh, they just they just slept on that. Yeah, absolutely. It gets it's, worse though. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, like, do they even know it works? Because Martin says that it didn't ever work, and they didn't care. They just wanted to make sure nobody knew it existed or it was even being worked on. But Martin says it doesn't work because Martin had stolen the chip. But, I mean, the chip was really big. How did they not notice this giant missing slot, you know? And and it's like, what makes this, sl- like, the, the box, like, work, you know? I, I, I don't think they would have, like, not noticed a missing chip. So it's, it's, we, do, uh, we, we do get one scene or one shot of the interior of the box. And it's not, it's not like a, just a tiny chip on the side out of many. This is, like, one big chip sitting right in the middle of the box. With like wires and stuff, and yeah, it's... right. Everything else is just connected to it. Yeah. So it's impossible that they wouldn't like 
you know, open the box and and not it, it's impossible that they wouldn't notice that the heart of the box was missing. Yeah. Which again goes back to like that's you know more proof that they don't actually care about having possession of the box. They just absolutely don't want anyone to know that they were working on the box. Yeah. That, that would be bad. Yeah. Just, that would be really just, bad. Yeah, just like the team intimates, you know, in their right. conversation with Jones. Like, you know, uh you know, it'd sure be bad if, like, the CIA and FBI knew what you guys were up to. And that's yeah. the main thing that Jones just wants to quash. Right. And, you know, and that's why they uh, make a deal and they get all their little Christmas wishes from uh, Santa Jones here. Uh, and, and it was all, like, uh, you know, silly stuff and... Hey, I guess they just move on. It's fun callbacks. It's nice. It's nice comedy. Yeah, but uh, what I don't understand was why the hell Martin bankrupted the the RNC at the end. You know, I I, I mean, uh, putting aside clearly the movie has a particular uh, uh, political bias they're they're going for, especially with like you know Robert Redford on cast. But that literally just showed that he had the chip. He'd be the only person that'd be capable of doing that. I think it's worse than that. It's it's not just that he, uh, you know, advertise. It's the fact that he bankrupts the RNC. Remember in 69, they were transferring large amounts of money, right. which maybe could have been missed in right. the in the in the mix or right. whatever. They're getting away from shit, uh-huh. uh, getting away with stuff. Right, but uh, like when you bankrupt the RNC, like that's absolutely going to be noticed, and it's going to be fixed, unless of course you route that money through some untraceable Swiss accounts or mm-hmm. shell corporations or some shit like that. Uh, which you know the movie clearly. I mean, it's this is all coming from just that little like you know, ba 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 you know, sweet little moment at the end right? Uh, that we're supposed to, like, you know, have our liberal hearts swell. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's absolute garbage. Like, you can't, you can't do something, you, you just, it's, that's my number one worst. It has to be, you can't be excused for going that big. You can't do something that noticeable and not expect for a for it to be immediately reversed but yeah, and, and instead of rerouting the money he gave it to these like super like revolutionary groups or whatever and, and, and that was the big news story like no one is ever going to notice it was, it, it was pretty silly and b for the nsa to immediately circle around back and like hit robert yeah and be like you guys this was never supposed to have happened you know, I got you your stupid Winnebago. Right! <laughs> You're breaking the terms of the deal. Yeah. <laughs> I think we got one last thing to talk about. We got we to gotta talk about the Scrabble game. C-Tech Astronomy. Uh, too many secrets. You know, uh, considering, like, you know, if, if you... This is the kind of movie that's got a certain scene in it, you know, that, like... 
if you if you had seen the movie, haven't seen it in like I don't know five years, six years, there's probably going to be one scene that you remember the most, and that's the scene where Martin unscrambles the, uh, you know, he, he does the anagram of C Tech Astronomy into uh, too many secrets. Yeah, it's not actually consequential in the film. I mean, it's part of a you know whatsoever, but yeah. Build, yeah, it's part of a big. This is the part where, like, meanwhile, Whistler is figuring out just how terrible the black box is. Yeah. Um, but you know, him unscrambling the letters doesn't actually mean anything. No, or, not at all. It it was pretty silly. Like, I mean, like it was fun. It was such a fun scene, especially since Liz and uh, Bishop together get to solve this problem. You know, like good old pals back at it again or something. You know. Which was nice, but it doesn't help him unlock anything other than like, oh wow, we stumbled on something. Or does it? <laughs> there was a, a really interesting article. Uh, we'll link it in the in the website or something. I don't know if we actually do that, but uh, from from Slate from 2012 by Lo and Lou. Uh, where he found out that uh, there's these patches that were being worn by part of our American intelligence agency, a classified division of the uh, American intelligence apparatus that uh, actually has the the term C-Tech astronomy in it. Oh, wow. Now, supposedly, uh, these are just patches that were... um, I don't know, possibly just worn as like like jokes. And uh-huh. it, the thing is about this patch, if you check it out, it's it's really weird. It's got some it's got some strange letters over the top. It's got a strange uh kind of a Groucho Marx face in the middle with a slash through it, three white stars, one black star. And uh apparently like it was just like kind of a joke around the office kind of thing, but some people got in real trouble for this. In reality, because even if you're making jokes, like, for instance, like the three stars and the black star, I recommend you check out the article, could be indications. It's it's a pretty silly logo. Yeah. (laughs) But but there there might be, uh, like, secret in-jokes amongst uh, intelligence personnel that, uh, you know, they were later warned and someone apparently got in a huge amount of trouble because, like, even these inside secret jokes that you guys are doing, uh-huh. like, foreign intelligence, if they're smart enough, they might be able to actually deduce legitimate, actionable secrets from. Oh, wow. Oh, so people got in trouble over this? It was like, yeah. it was like a Wait, so it was like kind of like a casual Friday thing? And, and and then they ended up getting in trouble for it. That's pretty. That's pretty funny. <laughs> and the uh, NRO, coincidentally, if you think so, uh, wasn't officially declassified until nine days after Sneakers had been released to theaters. Oh wow, that's that is very coincidental. Very much so. <laughs> All right, so David, do you think uh, we're ready to come in from the cold now? Absolutely, let's do it. Agents, please report for debriefing on this operation. The director will see you now. 
So I actually had seen this movie several times as a kid. This was like a family favorite, you know, because my family was really into Robert Redford and Dan Aykroyd. So this kind of was right up their alley. And they would have known Sidney Poitier. You know, they grew up with him. So they were a big fan of his. So th- this was like a perfect movie for them. It's like my mom and my uncle and, you know, they, they I must and my grandma, we must have seen this movie about like 67 times when I was a kid. So going back and getting to watch it again was a lot of fun especially since I'm really into spy movies now. Cause like, I, I definitely did not pick up on a lot of stuff, but uh, it was a lot of fun watching again. Um, but uh, I don't know for a rating. I don't know. I, it's what's interesting is how much this movie holds up, you know, it, uh, but it's, uh, uh, there, there was a lot of plot holes, you know what I mean? Uh, but there was a lot of fantastic trade craft. Uh, I think, I think we go with like a three and a half. I mean, I, w- I would recommend this movie to anybody, uh, really. Uh, this is definitely, you can watch this movie several times. It's fun. It's hilarious. You know, you'll definitely won't be disappointed. The cast is like ridiculous. It's, it's like such a great cast. So I, 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 you know, I don't know, three and a half, maybe a four, but you know, it's, I don't know. It's, it's a really fun movie that you would want to watch again and again. Let's just say that. I'm with you on several points there. Uh, like, I, I feel like it's such a straight up, like, middle of the road movie that, like, I start from a three. Um, but I agree, it's a it's a movie with broad appeal. You could show it to anyone. You could show it to your kids, and they'll catch up with some of the more complicated shit later on, right. on later watches. Uh, right. You know, your your parents will just dig seeing, you know, Poitiers and. Redford and Kingsley doing their things. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I gonna give it, I'm gonna bump it up to that 3.5 just because of the tech. I think, uh, you know, like we talked about in part one, this movie is literally like just such a great love letter to the tech of that time. It's right, like right on the cusp right. of of the World Wide web of everything changing it's i don't know there's there's obviously there's so many different points in the internet's you know and telecommunications history that you could call like that was the day everything changed uh-huh. but uh, this this one just really seems to be like you know just and and like i said like you know so many easter eggs about like uh you know the earlier stuff that uh, yeah that's that's why it's 3.5 for me that's a good point. Yeah. Do you want you want to go over our uh, best and worst trade craft? Oh uh, yeah, I'm ready to uh, hear about your worst. Just right. remind us. Well, my number three was Liz leaving the purse with uh, Ned. Um, but I think that was more of a movie bad trade craft, or like you discussed a cre- crease mistake. You know, since he was from the CIA. Someone should. Uh, someone should. The pickle factory. Yeah, that did that damn pickle factor. Uh, uh, my number two was Martin not accepting asylum uh, from Greg. I, I I really think this was a really big part because uh, this should be he should have been like, why the hell is the FBI going after me in a Russian diplomat's car? How do they know I'm in the car? Why are they coming after? I haven't done anything yet. Yeah, this is before the Cosmo incident, so it was like he should have taken the asylum. Um, and then my number one was. Uh, you know, Cosmo not having anybody follow Martin at all. 
whatsoever at any point in the movie, despite them being able to get all of the information they needed. Right, and that was also my number three worst, because uh, I think I can trump those with, uh, yeah. yeah, my number two worst, uh, you know, looking back on it, I think the NSA should have babysat their project and, uh, you know, told the mathematician not to just tell the world about what he was working on. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. My number one worst, I, I feel so bad about it, because, like, even if you just cut out the the last six seconds of the film, this uh-huh. doesn't even happen. But uh, I have to call it, uh, Martin, don't bankrupt the RNC. Oh, yeah. Was... Steal, steal little bits of money here or there. Yeah. That shit will work. You yeah. know, just going for the, for the whole, like, stealing all their money, everyone's going to figure out that shit. Then uh, I guess I'll go over my best. Uh, my number three was Cosmo trying to flip Martin. Every step of the way, it was well kind of played out. I don't. We're still not sure how much was acting and how much was real, but it was. I, I just liked each step. So either plus five points to the movie or plus five points to Cosmo. Uh, my number two was the fake NSA guys are goons who just went to town on Martin playing good cop, bad cop. Like really played their hand really well, played the cards at the right time, and and really cornered Martin into being forced into a decision and that only the decision is seeking their help by helping them. And then and then even though even though the, the NSA guys was probably the best of the tradecraft where everything was super well played out and executed, I want to put the hotel lobby as my number one just because that was so well played and so well shown on screen. And it's so quick it's really easy to miss. But you know in every spy movie or in any kind of like thriller or any kind of weird movie detective, it's always like some guy pretending to like make a big delivery. Like, Hey, you know, I'm gonna get fired here. You gotta let me in, you know, Hey, you know, and then it works. My number three goes to uh, the voice stress analysis by mother over the phone. When they first call the NSA, even though we agreed that, uh, you know, the, the plausibility is not quite there. Uh, I just liked it. Yeah. Uh, number two actually maybe i should have flipped these because this one is so much more plausible or no no that's why it is my number two this is why this is why it is higher ranked yeah uh it also goes to mother's work on uh isolating ned through surveillance and audio snooping of the building interior uh that he does you know like by analyzing timestamps, stamps keeping like all this surveillance watching through all this camera footage um you know, yeah, it's good, good, good. And then, of course, like isolating the uh, license plate number uh, that leads them into their whole like way that they pull off the heist. Awesome yeah. shit. And uh, of course, my number one. You know, we came close <laughs> in this. My number one is like that. The 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 you know pretend NSA guys that cover story and they're that. Not only their plan, but their execution in the way that they recruit Martin was like 100% super slick. Yeah, super duper slick. Um, redaction? I, I think you were, you and I were discussing, we might want to go over some of our old ratings. Yeah, yeah. That, we, that way we kind of get a better idea of what's going. We don't want to like step off. Like, you know, you we mean, don't want to. Yeah. Lose- 
So yeah, I, I mean, like, what's this most comparable to of uh, the things we've talked about before? Uh, we have uh, plausible heroes, mm-hmm. totally legit tech, but shit that didn't actually happen. Um, well, you don't think that happened, right? <laughs> uh, we don't have any evidence of it. Uh, I think this is a uh, higher redacted than most wanted man. Yeah. It's higher than a two. Right. And uh, we gave Miss Sloan a two, so we think it's less realistic than most wanted man and Miss Sloan. But we gave From Russia with Love a three. Right? Yes, we did. And we think it's more believable than From Russia with Love. So we bring it down to a 2.5 at least. I, I'm happy with that. That sounds I, good. I think that's about where we land. Because, like, uh, yeah, the two would be Miss Sloan, And the other two we have is uh, Samurai Spy. Yeah, and Samurai Spy was pretty solid, you know. And then our, our one and a halfs are basically most wanted man in the company. So I think a two and a half is pretty good. 2.5. Yeah. And that's the end of our show. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us on Twitter at spies underscore like us. Visit us on our website at www.spieslikeus.net. You know, find out about upcoming episodes. Also, what will really help us out is if you give us a review on wherever you found our podcast, either on iTunes or your Android app or YouTube or wherever you listen to us. Uh, even if you didn't like the show, just give us a review. It'll help us give us feedback so we can make the show better. And it can also help other people who haven't found the show yet find out about us. Hey, Moira, initiate Protocol 9. Protocol 9 initiated. This podcast will self-destruct in 20 seconds. The preceding transmission sampled the songs Ice Cold by Audio Nautics, Enter the Party by Kevin McLeod, and sound effects from freesound.org. Attributions and links are found at spieslikeus.net. Editing by Todd Hostetler.